The following Future Conceive podcast is sponsored by the Virtual Education Committee of the Society for the Study of Reproduction, with the mission to develop virtual programs that will aid in the education, highlighting the careers of society members, bringing technology updates, and the latest scientific advancements in reproductive biology. Thank you for listening. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ciro Amato, and I'm a postdoctoral representative for the SSR Virtual Education Committee. So per tradition, SSR members have nominated and selected outstanding contributors to the SSR Society. So this interview and others within this series is meant for us to get to know the awardees a little bit better and give us a better look into the research they are conducting and their experiences at SSR and their achievements. So in this podcast, we will be meeting this year's Janssen Leadership and Service Awardee. So this award is intended to honor SSR members that have contributed their leadership and time outside of laboratory research. This is really important because not only do these roles help keep the societies like SSR running, but they also help support and progress the larger scientific effort. So 2022's recipient of the Janssen Award is Dr. Ben Sang. So Dr. Sang is a professor emeritus at the University of Ottawa and emeritus senior scientist at Ottawa Hospital Research Institute, where he has had an amazing career studying the ovary, ovarian cancer, and female infertility. Through his extensive collaborations, his research has spanned many disciplinary fields. And through his lab, he has trained close to 100 trainees many who have gone to start their own labs. And somehow, while being a super prolific scientist, he has devoted extensive time to being a servant leader by serving on local, national, and international scientific committees. A couple of his many accomplishments in this realm is that he was the chair for the SSR Funding Committee, which at the time raised $1.2 million to help establish the Janice Barr Junior Scientist Travel Award. And so this award is meant to help new assistant professors travel to annual SSR conferences. Um, and then also, while he was on this funding committee, he also helped establish the Fulabaser International SSR Award, which helps scientists overseas um, travel to the annual SSR meeting. So these are really great achievements, and thank you for your, your contribution. And thank you for being with me today, Dr. Sang. And so I think Quite a few people know about you and your research, but for, for those that don't, could you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got into research and the type of research you do? Thank you for having me uh, join your podcast. Uh, being the Jensen uh, Distinguished uh, Leadership and, awardee, uh, and, and, and Service Awardee really is an honor for me. And it's a humbling experience. Uh, considering all the awardees who came before me and what they have uh, achieved, uh, I came from originally from Hong Kong. After finishing my my high school, I came to Minnesota, 
where I did my undergraduate in physical chemistry. And at that time, I was as lost as probably some of you are, what I'm going to do it with my life other than going forward and getting a degree. And uh, fortunately, I was very blessed to have a mentor who was able to see the potentials of their students and try to make them reach the, uh, the highest potential. And then after that, I went to Iowa City uh, at the University of Iowa, where I started my PhD program, uh, where I met Dr. Barbara Sanborn, who was a postdoc at that time, while I was a graduate student, and she was amazing. Uh, Dr. Sanborn is also a past president afterwards uh, of the SSR. Uh, so I got the benefits of rubbing off from these uh, high power people who helped me to kind of uh, shape my future career in the area of reproduction. Yeah. And last, uh, when I finished my PhD, I did my postdoc with the kind of the grandfather of ovarian follicle, Professor David T. Armstrong, and where I really enjoy how to think outside the box in terms of uh, follicle development, in terms of cell-cell interaction. This is the person who discovered and promoted the two-cell hypothesis, two-cell, two-gonatropin hypothesis. And that was very nice. And really at that time, I got to know the SSR is because Dr. Armstrong uh, was, uh, was the president at that time for the SSR. So you can see that how fortunate I was to be surrounded, to be in the venue, in the environment of these people who are so passionate about their own society. So coming from Hong Kong to Bemidji uh, State University, which is a small town, uh, about 7,000 people, including the university and that. And during the summer, many of the students leave said that the city or the town of Bemidji was very small, even down to about three or 4,000 people. Wow. A lovely place to study, uh, but a huge contrast with the hustle bustle uh, uh, place of Hong Kong, where there is, uh, everybody was uh, moving 120 miles an hour. So I enjoyed that time. And uh, after I finish my postdoc, I uh, went and worked at the National Research Council in Canada, where I did uh, uh, a second postdoc, so to say, uh, to look at cell proliferation in other tissues. Hmm. And then I was recruited back to Ottawa uh, and uh, took up a faculty position at the University of Ottawa. And that was over 40 plus years ago. And I'm still, I'm still there because I like what I'm doing there. So my research has evolved from back from the day of David Armstrong to something I've developed my, within my lab to look at cell signaling in ovarian follicular development. And then after about 10 years, when you get hungry, uh, you want more grants. And so you develop another area, which is ovarian cancer, where I focus on uh, why 
certain individuals who have ovarian cancer and who respond to chemotherapy. But after a few courses of treatment, the patients or that individual becomes non-responsive in a condition we call chemoresistant. And in those situations, the individual is basically, even now, uh, waiting for the time to come. Yeah. So being a basic scientist in the clinical department, we often ask, what is the price of tea in China? Or what does your research mean uh, at the end of the day? You know, so in a clinical department, I get challenged by different clinical colleagues with those kind of questions. And they obviously very surprised when I took a suggestion from Janice Barr, who is the grandmother or proponent of the chicken as a model for follicular development. And it happens that the chicken is an outstanding model for ovarian cancer. So there we go, we started off with some chicken business, doing some ovarian cancer work with chicken, but also uh, follicle development. So Janice Barr, uh, Professor Janice Barr has an impact on my career in some way or another, you know. So here I am, after 40 plus years, I, uh, I have uh, evolved and I've learned a lot from the people, from the trainees around me, from the colleagues around me. And, uh, and uh, now, uh, three years ago, I put in my official retirement to my dean and say, I think it's time. And that was when I was 73. And I enjoy what I'm doing, but I was not going to go cold turkey <laughs> and drop everything and decide to okay, let's finish what I'm doing. And so I had three grants at that time. I said, let it run out. And I tell all my trainees, they have to graduate by in three years from now, you know, but that was six years in notice. Awesome. That, that's really great. I'll have to remember that quote, what is the price of tea in China? I really, I really like that. So it seems that having three grants at one time, you, you have to I guess, kind of lead all these people that are on these grants and coordinate all of these projects. Um, and you've also been mentored by previous leaders like the previous SSR president, David Armstrong. Um, so could you share with us what you think makes a good leader? How can we hone these leadership skills throughout the, our career? I think let's start by thinking small and say, how do could you be a good leader in your own lab? Mm -hmm. And then you can think about how do you be a good leader in the, a larger perspective? And there's a difference. I always interview my, my incoming trainees uh, when they're, I said, what, what, who do you think I am in your mind? Many of them say, oh, you're my supervisor. And I said, no. Uh, you don't need to come to my lab if you want me to be your supervisor. Basically, is to see a task is done by the end of that day, things are over and you can go home. But I would prefer to be your mentor. A mentor means that you look after themselves, not just in the lab, but you also look at their whole welfare, their whole 
career development and so on. So even when they finish the training with you, they will still come back and knock on your door and say, how do I do this? What's your opinion on that? So that's important. It's that you actually look after them. It's not for me. It's for them. Mm -hmm. That is important. That's the main thing. And when you talk about leadership, and you mention a word, uh, uh, a servant leader, that's a big, that's a huge responsibility in a larger sense. So if you want to look at leadership, uh, I would like to be a servant leader, all right, in my lab, in my department, or at the SSR. And that means things is not done by you yourself alone. You have a team and you have to look after your team and look at what their interests are, what the needs are, where they are going, why they should be involved. And how do you bring them on board to subscribe to the same, same philosophy and same goal that you have? Uh, if you're constantly say, I need this because I want to achieve this, then we miss the boat altogether. Uh, so this is a very important point that you have to look at the people, your team, and and, and the, uh, to bring them about why what you think is important. That's really great. I I can totally relate with that. I mean, I think it probably would have been a pleasure to be in your lab, um, kind of seeing the people you're working with as people and not as um, uh, as machines. It's a it's a really great thing. Um, so now, I guess, thinking about these leadership concepts that you're practicing within your lab and with your mentees, um, how do you go about training your students to be leaders, like not only in their, lead, in their, in their research, but also within the scientific community? I, I can relate that to, in two ways. One is in the context of, the, of their immediate environment and then also in the context of the SSR. Uh, with the immediate environment is you wanna give them the, the maximum opportunity to spread the wings. Mm. There's no silly concept, All right? Let's take it out and kick it around and talk about it, how, how, uh, and, and, and I always tell them that I'm not here to always teach you, but my major responsibility is to set up an environment in my lab that they could grow in it, okay? And they will be learning from the environment, from all the trainees in, within the lab. Mm. So our, my lab is like a United Nation, a mini United Nation, all right? We have people from all over the world, here and they, and I said, the only way you will survive is you have to be acceptable, you have to be tolerance of differences, and you have to respect each other as they are. Okay. And everybody has different way of doing things, but we come together looking at it as a team again. We do a lot of things together within the lab, as well as outside the lab. Uh, we, we go to the pub together every now and then. We have uh, every two years, we have a lab retreat. 
where we talk about things that we don't normally do or don't have time to do uh, during the weekly lab meetings. Uh, that is things related to career developments, uh, job opportunities. Uh, how could you prepare yourself not to finish what you're doing, uh, reach the goal, but actually reach the goal for the next step of your career development? How could you be competitive for your next step of career development? If you're a PhD, how do you want to be the, the first person to be selected as a postdoctoral fellow and to be the first person to get the independent investigator positions? That's what we should be aiming for. Uh, getting your PhD or finishing a postdoc to me is a given, right? But what we should be talking about is what's the next steps. Right? So that's one thing uh, for me to create the environment that is uh, conducive of their personal and their academic uh, growth. The larger thing is the SSR. I don't have to create that environment. The environment is there. It is so trainee focused, trainee centric, and, and, and it's an outstanding nurturing uh, environment to be a member of that society, to attend it. So for me, during the last 40 years, I probably have missed two or three of my SSR meetings, all right? Other times uh, uh, I will have grad, uh, trainees, students and postdoc attending the SSR meeting because I think that kind of environment is good for their training. And uh, I have benefited very much from that as I was doing my postdoc and even during my early days of my independent position. You know, there are a lot of role models there that we all aspire to become one of them. And uh, they are very supportive. And the other thing is that there are a lot of opportunities for trainees. All you need to say is, I want to get, I want to get involved. And somebody will be after your tail. All right, so I, I think, uh, to me, at this stage, is the time that I take in so much from the society as a trainee and also as a uh, independent investigator. And after 40 years of uh, being a professor, I think I've been. It's time for me to give back to the society, and I've been trying to do that as I go along and trying to bring people on board for the same reasons that I'm doing it. Yeah, you know, I've only been a part of SSR for three years now. And during this short time, I've also experienced that it's a very nurturing society and very focused on trainee development, which I I truly appreciate. I, I didn't experience this type of um, development in other in other societies. And it's it's really a great place to go um, mm -hmm. for an annual meeting. I think based on what we were what you were just saying on how you've trained your students and your commitment to SSR, I mean, you are, are very deserving of this award. And so I'd like to ask, I mean, you touched on it a little bit before, but what does it mean 
to you to be this year's recipient of the Janssen Distinguished Leadership and Service Award. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you very much for joining us today and sharing with us your experiences here at SSR and also your really interesting research. Um, we could probably have a whole podcast on just your research in ovarian cancer alone. And so, yeah, thank you again, Dr. Sang, for all you've, all you've done. Um, and I am today's host, Cyril Amato, signing off. Um, have a great week, everyone. Stay safe and remember, the future is conceived at SSR. And thank you for listening. This music is produced by Buck Hills and Pruitt Pell.